Welcome to AM Best Audio. Are investors willing to take on more casualty risk in the way of insurance-linked securities? It's a question being bandied about in reinsurance markets these days. I'm John Weber for AM Best TV, and I'm speaking today to Samir Shah, CEO, Ledger Investing, a casualty ILS marketplace. Samir, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for inviting me. So, Samir, what's the potential for ILS investing over the next five years or so? I, I think that there is uh, one of two scenarios. Um, in casualty ILS, I, either it will grow linearly uh, or it will grow exponentially. I, if it grows linearly, it's primarily driven by the growth of MGA. Um, as you know, MGAs have been growing at, I don't know, 8 10% every year for the last 10 years. And that needs more capital and more of that is being connected to alternative capital, meaning not reinsurance companies. Uh, that trend is expected to continue and, and that will promote a linear growth in casualty ILS. The exponential growth would come from insurers getting into the game. If insurers understand the value of securitization, um, as a capital management tool and they come into the game, then I think this could open up in, in a very meaningful way. And you know, the nature of the insurance industry, it, in my experience has been that it's not typically a great leader of innovation, but uh, it's a very good follower. So if one or two insurance companies get into the, prominent insurance companies get into the game and recognize the value of securitization, it will open it up and uh, I think it, there could be a meaningful exponential growth. That, that's from the risk side of the marketplace. From the capital side of the marketplace, there's a pent up demand for it. Uh, investors who came in for cat risk are love the diversification benefit. They don't like the volatility. They don't like the returns. They, they're starting not to like that uh, maybe models are not properly estimating climate risk and are starting to become a little bit disillusioned. At least the ones that come talk to us, uh, this is what they tell us. And, and so there's a pent up demand to have, well, what other diversifying risk can we invest in that doesn't have the volatile behavior of cat and can be modeled in a more reliable way. Uh, so the, the demand from the capital side is, is constant there. There's also an interest from investors to move from what's essentially debt-like investments uh, on notes, which are lower return uh, um, securities to equity-like layers. Uh, and this is what we offer on the casualty side. And so both the dissolution with CAT the, and, uh, and yet the need for diversification, but higher returns. So capital is there. Let's back up just a little bit. You said insurers getting into the game and you explain how that happened. Realistically, does that happen? I, I think it will happen. Um, the, the key understanding that's needed is uh, that securitization offers great value from a capital management perspective as opposed to a risk management perspective. And what I mean by that is, from a risk management perspective, an insurer takes on lots of risk and 
they there's too much earnings volatility, so they take that risk off their balance sheet. But when they do that, they pay a higher cost of capital to take it off their balance sheet. And that's fine. They're okay with that. They have less risk and they have a lower return. That makes sense. The reinsurers take the higher risk, higher return. And so that's a good trade-off. That's all about risk management. Capital management is, okay, I, I'm comfortable with the earnings profile of my company, but I need 100 units of capital. Where should I get that capital? Right now, the only way to get capital is through a permanent equity, uh, maybe a little bit of debt. What insurance companies have not realized is that they can source capital off balance sheet through securitization. This is what the banks have been doing. Banks have been doing this for 40 years, uh, and it's created incredible value in the, uh, in the, in, in, the, um, in credit markets. Um, you and I can borrow money on a website now. You, you and I can lend money to other people on a web. We don't need a bank. Investors have many more categories of risk to invest in. Banks are less warehousers of risk and more services of risk, and, and they attract higher multiples. All of this is possible in the insurance industry, but it requires this understanding that um, the difference between capital management and, and risk management, and this is really, uh, this is the domain of a CFO. Um, the the, the um, cap on market is primarily a reinsurance phenomenon, and it's the, you know, the reinsurance buyer or the underwriters who get involved in that market, not really the CFOs. Um, it's an adversarial market. Like you know, when you go to a reinsurer, you enter it, you negotiate terms. And it's a highly bespoke market. Like you have to shape your reinsurance agreement exactly to get rid of the risk you want. You negotiate all these things. Capital management is completely different. It's, um, it's a CFO going and finding capital from investors who are willing to finance your business. It, it's more of a partnership. Um, and capital is fungible. A dollar of capital can be used anywhere. And so the agreements to source capital are much more standardized. It, it's, a, it's, it's a completely different game. Uh, and so like with anything, uh, there's a lot of cultural inertia in the industry. Uh, if one or two leading insurers overcome that inertia, they can, they can lead the way. Opening the floodgates. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is how it's happened in the insurance industry. How are the market dynamics of the past few years shaping the ILS space? Well, the, uh, as I mentioned, the, you know, in, investors are starting to get disillusioned with CAT. And so they're starting to, uh, the, the investors who are investing through cap on funds who, so who know ILS, um, who understand the technology of ILS, um, they are starting to get disillusioned with CAT. However, there are other investors who've never invested in insurance-linked securities who have uh, become interested. Um, they, were, they became interested when interest rates were very low not too long ago. Uh, private credit funds um, you know, or couldn't get high returns in their funds. There are other sovereign funds, endowments, pension plans are starting to come into this game. Um, and they see the, the higher attractive return from the lower capital position, but a more stable risk uh, because you know, the underlying risk are loss ratios that tend to trend from year to year and they, they sort of mean revert. Uh, this is what you, know, you and I know as underwriting cycle. Um, they like that. 
uh, as opposed to CAT. And so there is a significant interest in here, but the key, key things to really open up this market is they don't understand the risk, <laughs> which is very understandable. Insurance is, you know, the risk. I used to be a chief risk officer at some insurance companies, and it was hard enough for me to understand the risk, much less explain it to the management team and to the board. The investors really don't understand insurance risk. Um, and so a key aspects of growing this market is getting in investors comfortable uh, to demystify insurance risk, uh, very much like what happened in the credit markets with credit risk. Um, and uh, so that's a very important component. And this is a, a lot of what we focus on is how to model the risk in a way that's transparent, um, that can be back-tested, um, that, that's reliable. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, actuarial science, which you know has been around for a hundred couple of hundred years and has served the industry well, is is too subjective uh, to um, to demystify insurance risk. And so, demystifying insurance risk will be a key aspect of the growth of this market. Samir, do, do you think the confluence of significant cat events combined with high inflations have uh, spooked the ILS investors? That may be what, what, what spooked them on the CAT side. Um, I think that, um, again, that, that may be part of the dynamic of why they're moving to casualty. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we primarily talk to investors who, who are looking to expand beyond, uh, beyond CAT. And so we perhaps are, are getting a biased view of only the ones that have become disillusioned. Uh, I think that the other dynamic is simply um, higher uh, interest rates, uh, which which creates um, you know when you have operating leverage and casualty can create higher returns is also what's attracting investors. So realistically, are investors interested in long tail casualty, and do institutional investors even really understand it? Are they interested? The fact that it's a long tail is not an issue at all. Um, you know, uh, mortgages are 30 years. <laughs> Life insurance is very long tail. Um, and so the idea of something that's long tail is not an issue at all. What's an issue is, um, is there a liquid market, a secondary market? And there isn't now. And, and in CAT, there never really will be. Uh, because what you need in order to create a liquid market is, like in every other market, you need information to emerge in a continuous way. So it's okay to invest in long term, long as information emerges in a in a, in in somewhat quasi real time, which will allow new investors to come in and trade the risk. Um, we've been fortunate that we've been able to um, enter into. Uh, several secondary trades of our casualty ILS, which suggests to me that, yes, there, there, there is an opportunity to create a, a real secondary market in casualty ILS. And so from the long tail perspective, that's not an issue. Do they really understand the risk? No, they don't really understand the risk. Uh, and this is, this is a big job of explaining this to them and, and explaining it to them in a way that they will see is 
is again transparent and, and reliable. Um, it's one thing for an intermediary to try and explain to an investor, you know, um, uh, there's obvious uh, potential conflicts of interest here. What's ideal is, unlike the cap on market, for the analysis of risk to be transparent enough that anybody in the industry can opine on it and, and can peer review it, not people's black boxes that they sell. If somebody's out there saying, hey, uh, investor, I have an AI model that models insurance risk and uh, I do it better, that won't grow the market. That is um, going in the opposite direction of, of demystifying and standardizing risk. But um, those two things, I, th I think if we can explain it to the investor, they're ready for it. They're thirsting for it. And they're willing to spend the time on it. Do you think climate risk is impacting ILS? It certainly is on the CAT side. Uh, I, again, uh, there's a question because CAT models are proprietary black boxes. It's hard to really know to what extent they can capture phenomena that is not in the historical record. Um, and um, and so that's, that's very difficult to, to capture um, you know, when you're talking about something that happens uh, one every 50 years, 100 years. Um, and we're not, we're much less exposed to that, uh, when we're talking about casualty risk here. Um, uh, it, it's not, um, it's not a modeling issue. Does ESG play a part in ILS investing? Well, certainly, uh, like any other asset class, ESG is an important component and, and investors are, are keen on, understanding uh, that aspect of it. Um, however, the, the broader picture here is that insurance is a social good. I insurance, um, uh, it's unquestioned that insurance provides a, um, a social good. Uh, it drives uh, commerce, uh, innovation. And, um, and so anything that will bring more capital to, into the insurance industry um, and somewhat commoditize the risk that will be, will provide a, a social good. Uh, and, um, you know, perhaps will reduce the protection gap that we always talk about. Uh, the cap on market hasn't done that yet. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it can't do that if, if there's a hundred billion dollars coming into the market for cat risk and of that hundred billion dollars, it replaces some of it from the reinsurance market. That's not meaningful. The potential year and casualty is for this to be a trillion dollar uh, market. Um, credit risk went from zero to a trillion dollars in 10 years. There's maybe $6 trillion of capital globally in insurance, life, health, and, and property casualty. If 20% of the market was securitized, that's a trillion dollar market. So from you know, benefit to society perspective, you know, trillion dollars of capital coming into the market would have, I think, a meaningful impact on reducing the protection gap and, um, and you know, making uh, individual lives better. You know, I can't do an interview, Samir, without bringing up artificial intelligence. <laughs> so is AI part of are the equation? Are you real or am I, am I really? How will I know who I'm talking to is real? <laughs> uh, I had chat GPT write this question. Is AI part of the equation when it comes to securitizing risk or securitizing risk more efficiently and effectively? 
there is a role for it. Um, there is a good role and a bad role for it. Um, the, I mentioned the bad role because I, I already alluded to it earlier. If you set up a shop and say that you're using AI to model risk, that doesn't provide transparency. And, and anybody who says they're using AI, you know, everybody claims that they're using AI, but really there's very few true AI um, uh, applications here. So that's not a good thing uh, to, to use AI um, as a crutch for uh, modeling risk. However, a lot of what happens in the market, uh, in the insurance and reinsurance market is people pouring through uh, policies, wording, people pouring through underwriting guidelines, um, through claims files, um, it, all of that lends itself to some responsible use of AI that is sort of the, not out, like outsourced AI, but uh, when I say responsible use, meaning an expert who uses AI alongside their own expertise to get things done faster um, and, and to um, do it in a, in a more reliable manner. There, I think there's a lot of potential and, and we are um, very much um, exploring those applications and we see some promises there. And so, um, you know, helping an investor digest lots of documents in a, in a concise way um, is, is a good use of large language models, for example. So what sort of trends are you seeing as to who's entering the ILS space these days? Well, the, um, in, there are new investors stepping in. Uh, there are private credit funds who are coming into this market. Um, there are people who, um, who are, um, they're, they're attracted right now to the higher returns uh, because this is still has some novelty premium and, and illiquidity premium in, into the pricing uh, these days. Uh, and so investors who are looking for, you know, double digit or some mid double digit returns are, are very much uh, coming into this market. Whereas the cap bond market was primarily focused on sort of single digit and somewhat mid or local, you know, low, low single digit sometimes. Um, so that's a whole new class of investors that, that are coming to this market. Um, I think that over time, um, you know, it, it's not just large institutional investors. Uh, there's large family offices that we're talking to who are interested. Um, there's sovereigns, endowments. Um, I, I think over time, uh, this could get into accredited investors as well, uh, but not not something that will happen over the next three years. Okay, Samir, I got to ask any predictions for ILS for the second half of 2023 and into 2024? I, I believe that there will be some seminal transactions that will open up the floodgates. Um, uh, I know we're working on one or two that... Uh, we're expecting to bring to the uh, bring to market at the end of the year. I imagine others are as well, and I think that um, each year we will see some pivotal events in the growth of casualty ILS. Um, and so, um, I, I'm sure they will make your news uh, over the next six months. Samir, a pleasure speaking with you today. My pleasure.
That was Samir Shah, CEO Ledger Investing. And I'm John Weber for AM Best TV. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.